Welcome to the Freelance Indexer Exchange. I'm Michelle Giuliano, and I'd like to start a conversation with you about indexing. I sometimes find the business of freelancing lonely and isolating. How about you? Do you ever wonder whether it has to be this way? So let's talk about the hard stuff, because we can do better together. Welcome to Episode 9, Per Page, Per Entry, Per Word, Translated into Hourly Rates. But before we dive into this episode, I just want to do a quick recap of episode 8, where I talked about how we use the different types of rates as indexers when pricing projects. I also went over the different types of rates I used in April's indexing projects. I used quite a range of rates. I had two indexes using flat project rates. I had one project that was an hourly rate index revision. For three projects, I charged by the entry, and for two projects, I charged by the page. I had one listener drop a comment in the exchange box asking whether it drove me crazy dealing with all these rates. She said, it almost seems easier to just use one rate, regardless of how the client wants to pay. And honestly, it's my business. I should be able to charge how I want, and when I bring clients into the fold, I should onboard them with this in mind. But as I mentioned in the episode about credit cards, I feel that being flexible is important to my customer service model. But in reality, it doesn't even bother me at all to use different kinds of rates. It doesn't take me any extra time to make the calculations, whether I'm creating an estimate for a client or assessing whether the client's suggested fee is acceptable or not. You see, in my project tracking software, I compare every project not by the fee rate or by the total fee, but by my hourly rate. Yes, you heard that correctly. My hourly rate. When I first started indexing, I was just so happy to get projects. I was doing a lot of subcontracting work where the rate was already predefined. I could take the job or not. But since I wanted to get experience, I took a lot of jobs, regardless of the rate. But as I developed my business and began to have more clients over the first few years, I was perplexed at how to figure out how much to charge per page. After all, per page was the rate that I used almost exclusively at that point. And I needed to figure out how to use previous projects to judge what an acceptable rate was on the next project. That's when I learned more about time tracking. I discovered that by keeping track of the hours I worked, I could assign an hourly rate post-project. And that made it easy to compare projects and whether the fee I was charging was acceptable and adequate. This data not only helped inform how much to charge, but it was also a good way to compare clients and decide whether I should raise one client's rate or not. Let me give you a really good example. I have a client that pays only $2.25 per page. Yes, you heard that right. It is $2.25. That's incredibly low, right? Shouldn't I raise that rate, especially since it's my lowest page rate that I receive from any client? But when that's translated into an hourly average rate, this client actually pays me just about $100 per hour for indexing. Interesting books. No need to raise that client's rate. I also have one client for whom I have steadily been increasing their rate every year. They're almost at $7 per page now, and yet I still don't make a great hourly rate for them. I'm always hoping that I'll get faster at their books because it's a 10-volume series, and I know that I will end up being able to do the revisions as they update these books, but it's grueling, boring work, and I'm only getting just a bit faster at the indexing. And even though the books are large, they're over 500 pages a piece, and it's a nice 
large amount to have come in all at once, I'm rethinking taking more work from that client because the hourly rate is far lower than the client that pays only $2.25 per page for easier work. This is why I love calculating my hourly rate. It allows me to compare apples to apples across all my projects, regardless of the type of material indexed, the subject specialty, or the degree of difficulty. The big question for me at the start of all of this time tracking was how do I track my hours without driving myself crazy? So let's talk about the different ways that I did this. Come along on my time tracking journey. I started out doing it in a very simple way, tracking my hours on a spreadsheet. You can also do it on a piece of paper. You can write or type your time that you start, your end time, and the project you're working on, and the type of your work you're doing, such as editing or indexing. And you do this each time you start or stop at every sitting and when you change tasks or projects. When you stop or at the end of the day of the week, you can then figure out the time that you worked on each task. And then you add up all the like tasks together at the end of each project. And then you have your, totally, your total hours worked for the project and the time spent on each task. Whew, it was a lot of work doing it this way. And it was a lot of work to remember it, open up the spreadsheet and keep track of it this way. I know a lot of people do it this way, but I didn't like doing it this way. You can also do a variation of the spreadsheet by using a stopwatch on your phone, on your own watch, or on your computer. And you start and stop it when you start and stop working. And if you're very proficient in Microsoft Excel, you can even create your own timer within Excel that will automatically calculate the time based on when you start and stop the timer in Excel. I bet you didn't know that. You will still have to start and stop the timer when you switch tasks or projects and make notes in that row about the task you're working on, but it's infinitely simpler because you're not calculating the amount of time that you worked. I used this method and I didn't like it because I wasn't, it wasn't easy enough for me to be consistent doing it all the time. And I thought there was just a lot to keep track of. Then I moved over to the Pomodoro type method. Um, and this method set centers on setting a time for 25 to 30 minutes and working until the time is up for that one task. For example, you can work on an indexing project for during that time, then take a two or three minute break after that time and do a total of, you do that for a total of four times before taking a longer break. The ideal way to do this method is that you work for 25 to 30 minutes with two to three minute breaks four times in a row, and then you take a longer break. This is a lot easier to keep track of on a spreadsheet or project sheet because you can actually use an X to indicate each session. When I used a method like this, I found that I did like working in a 50 minute session rather than a 25 to 30 minute session because it would take me a few minutes each session to wrap my head around the indexing project. If I stopped working every 25 to 30 minutes, I felt like it was so disruptive. That didn't really work for me. So I decided to use 50 minute sessions as my hour, and that's kind of like a little cheating message. Um, but I figured that if I used a 50 minute session and counted it as an hour, and that was one of my exes, it's kind of like people in a real job. When they're getting paid for an hour's worth of work, they're often doing having a few breaks where they chat with someone or they have their lunch factored in. No one asks them to punch out to take a bathroom break or when they chat with a colleague for a few minutes. So I felt that was kind of a, 
a nice way to round out the hour. And especially since I wasn't charging my client by the hour, I wasn't cheating them out of that 10 minutes. This was really only for my own time tracking um, capabilities. And then it also created a nice little bit of padding in when I wanted to use that time tracking information to plan out another project. This technique, let me tell you, is really great for people who get distracted easily and tend to want to do something before their session is up. For people who like to keep switching tasks, this kind of keeps you focused for the time that you're doing the session. And if you use an app like Forest, for example, that's F-O-R-E-S-T, I'll put a link in the show notes, you don't get your reward of a tree unless you use, if you use your phone for something else while you're in that session. So it really helps you to keep focused. I personally found this method difficult because sometimes I need to work longer than the session, even when it was a 50-minute session, or sometimes I could only fit in a 30-minute session. And then that made it hard for me to do time tracking because do I use a little X? Do I use half an X if my time frame varies? And that just made it just not as simple as I wanted it to be. So what did I try next? I used an option that lets me use a time tracker that works in the background while I'm working. I was introduced to this kind of method by my invoicing software, Paymo. I'll put that link in the show notes too. Paymo is a project management software app that I use for invoicing. And in addition to scheduling projects and invoicing them, you can also set up a time tracking system as well. And it was the first system that I used that I stuck with for a long period of time and gave me a great amount of data. Their time tracking software, like I've mentioned, runs in the background when you start using the computer when you sit down, and so you don't even have to think about it. You then assign each type of activity to a particular project or task. For example, it tells you how much time you spent on Microsoft Word, how much time you spent in Sky, how much time you spent in your PDF software, and it also tracks the amount of time you're on your email and when you use your browsing software and you end up going down a rabbit hole on the internet, it is very revealing about what your day looks like. And it's just running in the background. And at the end of the day, you can group everything by the hour so that you don't have to start and stop a timer. You don't have to remember anything. It just has it all in there. You can also use their start stop timer method if you want, and then you can connect that to tasks that you set up in each project that you have in the software. And so it's pretty flexible, but you do have to keep up with assigning the time intervals to a project and the indexing task. And this can be difficult to do at the end of the day when you, if you've worked on a couple of projects or tasks. And that was always a little dicey for me. So I tried to keep up with it as I go. Because you can group the timed activities by the hour. So if you're good about working in the morning on a specific indexing project, and then the afternoon you're editing another indexing project, it's pretty easy to assign the tasks. But sometimes I'm working on multiple things over the course of the day, so I really have to keep on top of that. And you also have to make sure that you start your project, a new project in your PAMO software before you start doing the timing. So you're kind of managing a couple things at once. It's not as automatic as it seems like it could be. So the pros for this, unlike the other ones, was that all the time was added up for me and I could see it in the project view or in the calendar view. And I found this to be very handy. I liked the graphics. I liked that once I assigned my tasks and my project to the different times, everything was taken care of me. I only had to transfer the information for the time I worked on each project into the internal notes section on my invoice and do a quick calculation to find my hourly rate. It was really easy and 
I found that I was getting great data from it. I ultimately stopped using this kind of background time tracking when I found that the time didn't really always add up properly. I think they might have fixed that issue, but when I noticed it, I knew I had to move on to a different kind of time app because I needed accurate data. So before I go any further, I just wanna review the different kinds of time tracking that I tried. And these are all viable methods. Just because I moved on from them doesn't mean that they're not gonna work for you. And the first ones that I started with were so cheap to try, they were free. And it's just a matter of whether this time this type of thing works for you. I started out using just a spreadsheet and a piece of paper. And I used, and I would write down the time I started and the time that I finished. And then I attached the kind of project I used, kind of project I was working on, and also the task that I was doing on that project. Then I did a variation of the spreadsheet where I actually used a stopwatch on the Excel sheet that I would start and stop and it would automatically enter the time for me so I didn't have to do any calculations. And I only had to assign the task and the indexing project that I was working on. And then of course, use a, I'd have to total everything up at the end. That was an extra step that you had to do. That wasn't a bad way to do it, but I wasn't as consistent with it as I would have liked. Then I mentioned the Pomodoro type method, which can really work well for people who um, tend to switch tasks a lot. It really keeps you focused. And then I used the time tracker in the background with Paymo. I knew I didn't want to really do any of those because those didn't None of those were seemed like a good solution for me. And then someone mentioned the Timular app to me, and it also had a physical polygon shape time tracker. And it was like in the Rubik's cube as a as a as a polygon. And there's different there's eight different sides to it, and each side when you have it facing up represents a different kind of task. And Wow, that was great. Every time I switched tasks or I stopped, I just put it on its point on its little stand. And then when I had to start working, I just had the side facing up that represented the kind of task I was using. I found that having a physical object to use after working with a time tracker that worked in the background for so long was so useful for me. And it was also really effective for my family when they came in to interrupt me, that they saw me physically stop my time tracking with that polygon shaped tracker. And it was a great reminder to them that when they do come in, I have to stop working. And they began to only come in when necessary. Now with this time tracker, you you assign the tasks when you move the object to a certain side, but you don't have a project assigned to each side. That has to be done after the fact, and that's done with tags in the program. Over time, I gravitated to using a keyboard shortcut to start and stop the time in Timular. And when I started or stopped the timer, I could assign the project and the task with just a couple keystrokes. And this was fantastic. And once I started doing this, I never went back to the polygon because everything was done right in the little open task manager. And then it disappeared when I started working on my project. And it just became so easy. The data, like in Paymo, could be viewed in a calendar format or in what they called insights. And you can view the insights by the year, by the day, by the month, by the quarter. It's all color-coded and arranged by projects in a bar graph. And so it's easy to see how much time you spent on each project and it divided 
that little bar piece into the different tasks you used and it totaled everything up for you. It was a game changer for me. The con to this method is that I still have to actually remember to start and stop the session. But I'm well trained at this by this point because the data is so useful, it reinforces why I'm doing this. So if I timed how long this software took me to use each day, it might not even add up to five minutes. Less than five minutes to have everything totaled for me. The only calculation I need to do is at the end of the project, when I divide the total project fee on the invoice by the number of hours that I worked on the project that is easily found in the insights, then I instantly have an hourly rate. It couldn't be easier. I'd also like to mention that there are other apps that do this. Timeular is not, doesn't own this kind of time tracking. I do believe they're the only ones who has this physical tracker that you move around, but as I found, it wasn't really necessary, but I'm really glad I had it in the first place because it really helped me to remember to start and stop the timer, which was something I always had a problem with. Another app that does the time tracking like Timeular without that physical time tracker, you have Toggle. And I know a lot of people who really like this app. People in my mastermind group use this and love it. For me, the key feature for any app would be the ability to use the hotkey or combination of keys to access the timer to start and stop it easily on your computer. And you need to be able to assign a project and even a new project on the timer so I don't have to deal with that later. I'm the type of person who likes to have it done right when it's in front of me. Now, of course, this costs money. You know, when I was using the spreadsheets, I didn't have to worry about it. Same thing with using, when I was doing the sessions in 15-minute increments, I could just use my, my phone to do that. These kind of apps do cost money. Timeular, for instance, costs $90 a year under the basic annual plan, and that works out to be about $750 a month. But it does offer free trial so you can figure out whether you like it. The physical tracker, which totally works with their app and you have to have the app and the tracker. Um, the tracker costs $69. And while I don't use it anymore, it was an important thing I used initially to improve my compliance with the manual time tracking. And so I definitely don't regret buying it. Toggle, on the other hand, does have a free plan. You can't use tasks with the basic plan, but it allows you to use projects. So you can use that one for free. The starter plan allows for different tasks, and that's $9 a month or $106 a year. I like being able to choose the type of tasks I do with each project, so I would have to go up to the $9 per month plan. For example, I like to track what, how long I spend indexing, how long I spend editing per project, and I also like to track admin time. So I use about three to four different types of tasks per project that I like to divide out. And so that's important to me and that's why I wouldn't use the toggle free plan, but the free plan might work perfectly fine for you. I don't mind paying for time tracking because it saves me time in the long run and it provides me with a lot of useful information. I personally couldn't go back to the spreadsheets, but man, that might work really well for you. The data that you gain from time tracking is worth it whether you have to pay for an app or you have to really make sure you stick to the spreadsheet method and spend the extra time dealing with that. Some people feel it doesn't take any time at all and that's great. I'm the type of person who needs an app. So there you have it. I just took you on my time tracking journey. Hopefully listening to the different methods that I went through will save you some time. Haha. -ha. I hope you found this helpful. 
Feel free to share your own time tracking methods or tips. As always, you can drop a comment or suggestion in the exchange box. A link is in the show notes. And I'd be happy to share them with our other listeners. And now it's time for the See Also segment, where I talk about something that's related to the main segment, but not directly. And today I'm going to talk about something I learned about my business based on time tracking. I used to spend way too much time editing. I'll admit that. I mean, way too much time editing. And once I was able to see this happening and not only imagine that I was spending more time editing than I should, but I could actually see it on paper, project after project, I was able to take steps to evaluate why this was happening. And part of it was how I organized my indexing steps that added to the increased length of editing. And when I made some changes there, the amount of time spent editing improved, but I still felt that it was out of line with the time spent indexing. A colleague of mine was willing to edit my indexes on a trial basis, and that turned out to be a great move for me, something I might not have ever considered if I didn't do all the time tracking. I'll talk about why having another set of eyes on your index can be a good move for your business at the upcoming ASI conference. So yes, the See Also segment is also a plug for the ASI conference at the end of April. Specifically, my presentation will be on Friday, and I hope you'll be there for that. And I'll hope you join me and all the other presenters and your colleagues at this virtual conference. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Freelance Indexer Exchange. Until next Monday, be well and do well. And happy indexing.